It's rut and river. Yes. Correct. R-U-T. I rest my beard hair right on there, it. And then you know you're there. Like a nice, gentle little pillow from right, a beard. Right. And then I'm all up in it. Oh. I'm like Kobe beef for sharks. Can I ask you, what made you guys call me up about, well, this? That's what tickles our fancy. Exactly. Okay. Thought the Rocky Mountains would be rockier. John Denver <laughs> is not accurate. Man. A guy like you, who has absolutely no clue, and I can hear it in your voice, that, you know, <laughs> you know I mean, you're a blank canvas. I mean, I can just start with you, right, like, from scratch. You, you're going to tell me, a grown man, you're telling me what lure to use and how to fish? You guys didn't s- snap your whopper plopper off either, though. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry I blew up over that. <laughs> and we are back. You are listening to the Rutten River Pursuit Podcast. This is Reality Outdoor Radio, where our mission is to get you in the outdoors by connecting you with the people, skills, and products you can trust. You can always trust them. You can trust them. You know you can. Mm -hmm. I'm Ryan. Who do I got with me tonight? This is Brian. Hey, it's Bucky. I'm Will. Sounded just like him. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, I'll tell you guys about this month's sponsor, and we're fired up for him. (laughs) Smoke in the Grove. You can't get any more American than a good old barbecue competition. Mm -hmm. This year's Red Hot Competition is being brought to you by Kenny's Market, your hometown market. Love that market. And is being held July 26th and 27th in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania. Come on out Friday night to kick things off with the First Responder Cup, People's Choice Wing Competition, and cap off the night with some live entertainment by Brittany Opperman. Opperman. And you'll not want to miss the main event on Saturday where teams will be competing in a Kansas City Barbecue Society sanctioned state championship event. The winner qualifies for the Jack Daniels World Championship in Lynchburg, Tennessee, Mm. and the American Royale in Kansas City, Missouri. My mouth's water. It's like a Royale cheese. Mm -hmm. Teams will also be competing in the People's Choice Pork Contest. This colossal weekend will be capped off by a performance by Velveeta. Noise. Get all the details by searching Smoke in the Grove on Facebook and Instagram, as well as the website, smokeinthegrove.com. What's going on, fellas? Nothing. How are you? Oh, you know. We didn't light the fire. We're sitting around the Sonic campfire. we didn't light the fire. Do it, Bucky. We're around the Sonic campfire. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Our Sonic campfire is going to be a little hotter than normal this week, though, boys. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, um. Like well, an oven. I'm just going to spill the beans. What spill away. What you do? <laughs> Where are we at? We are currently sitting in Underhill Forge. Yep. That I is mean, correct. It doesn't get much more American. No, it doesn't. Than sitting here beating on steel and forging. We're here with Jay Steckervetz at Underhill Forge. What's up, Jay? Hey, guys. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? So, this is really weird because I listen to your podcast all the time and. Normally, you know, all your guests call in, and this is amazing that you guys actually came here to visit oh, yeah. me. I, I, such an honor, guys. We wouldn't we wouldn't want it any other way, bud. Because Jay is is local. He's uh, in Central Pennsylvania, just up the road from uh, Castle Day Will, and uh, we thought, why not? We got to pop over, visit Jay. We were at the Forge not too long ago. Everybody oh. heard about it ad yeah. nauseum, so we're not yeah. gonna. We're not going to beat that uh, proverbial dead horse, as it were. <laughs> but boy, did we have a good time. Yes, but we really did. what we wanted to do, Jay, was we wanted to take an opportunity to really get to know you and get to know a little bit more about what you're doing here at Underhill Forge so that, uh, so that everybody can maybe participate in that thing that we did a while back. Oh, well, guys, shoot away. I mean, it's just great to be here. Awesome. Tell us, uh, for anybody that doesn't know already, um, How'd you get your start here at Underhill Forge? Like even let's start with where'd the name come from? Oh gosh, actually, there's a, there's quite a story with that. Uh, t- to start off, uh, you know, I started in this business 24 years ago, and I started out uh, making theatrical props, doing stuff for uh, the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair and miscellaneous theater troops, and uh, you know, it was all basic, almost like machining. You know, it wasn't uh, picking up a hammer and beating something you know it wasn't blacksmithing it was i'm shaping stuff and i'm just i'm making something that looks good from far away it's great on stage and it makes some noise and there you go i mean it's exactly what a prop is supposed to be but that got me interested in 
well, how was it actually done? And, you know, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have the internet back then. Right. Uh, this is, you know, pre-1997 AOL kind of stuff. Don't date yourself. And, uh, yeah, I know. Um, but it was, you know, so a lot of getting books and figuring this out. And we had, we had an old shop, uh, old forge in the back of the shop. And I asked for permission if I could dig it out and, uh, start working on it. And I didn't know anything, you know, and, uh, just getting it to burn was, uh, was a hell of a chore, nice. but, uh, you know, it really, it, it fired up the passion. And from there it was literally and figuratively. Yeah. From there it was, you know, you, you got to read this and read that and, you know, experiment and try. And so it started out, you know, we were, it was an age where it, it wasn't so easy as to just go onto a web page and find a blacksmithing group. You know, you had right, to do right. stuff on your own. And it wasn't until much later that I found out that there's things like there's Pennsylvania. Not, so there was not a band of blacksmiths running around. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's in the wild. Like a local yeah. blacksmith club. <laughs> Surprisingly not. I mean, yeah. there weren't just BSCs. roving bands of blacksmiths all across the countryside. Um, but, yeah, so that, you know, just kind of progressed from there and, you know, really started out as a hobby. I was still doing it, you know, for uh, – making theatrical props and uh then i became the demonstrating blacksmith of the pennsylvania renaissance fair and cool. uh, no way yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, most people don't recognize me you know when they see me out in person because all i ever wore was a kilt and boots right right uh, right pretty much nothing else but i was also a lot lighter i'd back be in turkey legs uh, non-stop <laughs> <laughs> and i i left you know i left doing they that call me turkey uh, leg dude because i'd have two of them yeah, I actually, I stopped doing the, the demonstrations back in uh, 2015, but in 2007 is when I, I started up Underhill and uh, how I had pretty much been able to afford to do this during the day was I was a restaurant manager and also a bartender. So we had this thing with a couple of other bars in town where we'd have this little slip of paper. Don't worry about it. You know, I got, we didn't get your beer. Mr. Underhill got your beer. It was a Fletch reference. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's that scene where, you know, he walks in, he's like, give me a scotch, any scotch, put it on Mr. Underhill's tab. Uh Well, as a bartender, we all had Mr. Underhill's tab. And it actually, we took it so far that uh, when a group of us would get together and we'd go out for dinner, it'd be, you know, Underhill party of 13. uh, (laughs) And eventually to the point where there were three different bars, three different bartenders that all, you know, use this. We ended up having a... uh, a huge picnic for our regulars and we called it the Underhill family picnic. And so it, it just started out as a joke between us, uh, you know, and our love for Fletch and, uh, Next thing you know, I'm like, I've got to keep the joke alive. (laughs) Now he has a forge. I'm a a huge Fletch fan. Uh, Plus, you know, it rolls off the tongue. People can actually pronounce it a lot better than say Ryan can pronounce Stecker vets. So, so, so Jay, how did that work? I mean, you can research and look at techniques um, and and what types of metal to use and how to get, you know, a a forge and a fire going, but like trial and error, I would think so was the process, I, I think, you know, one of the things God's really blessed me with the ability that I can look at something and I know how it works. Uh, for instance, you know, you're sitting here in the shop right now and you look around the machinery, you know, I've got a power hammer, two power hammers behind me, this rolling mill right here. No one makes right. this stuff. You have to figure it out on your own. And, you know, I'm just blessed to have a mechanical uh, mind like that where I can look at something and say, okay, yeah. this is kind of how it needs to be. And uh, eventually, you know, you get things to actually work. There's also a lot of failure with that as well. But you have to learn how to, you know, roll with those mistakes. And, you know, there's really, with teaching classes here, I see so many people that are like, oh, man, I made a mistake. I I screwed this up. I did that, did this. It didn't turn out exactly how I wanted it. But when you're trying to learn a skill, I don't think there is such a thing as as a failure. I think... You know, you've got to look at that and say, well, how can I turn that around? What can I do to make this closer to my end vision? So, yeah, there's trial and error is one thing, but really there's no such thing as a, a screw up until, well, until the building burns down, I guess. But, uh, you know, right. um, still it's, yeah, I've always just liked the, the trial and error method and been really good at, you know, Getting lucky, I guess, at right. point, yeah. you know, picking well, these yeah. things up. It's, a, it's not a, uh, a mistake. It's a product redesign. Yes. Yeah. That's 
That's what I was told. Yes, I believe I told you that on a uh, very snowy day back in uh, <laughs> January, wasn't back in it? January. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's, said that one. But yeah, yeah and and you know there there are no real mistakes when you're forging something. If it doesn't turn out exactly as you like it, like Will just said, it's it's a product redesign. Yeah. Okay. Well, this wasn't my original idea, but guess what? It kind of looks like this. So maybe we'll just go yeah. with it. That's perfect. And, you know, I see a lot of guys that, you know, obviously there's been a lot of resurgence, you know, with what I do, uh, thanks to certain TV shows that have really popularized it and see a lot of these young guys posting their, their first works, uh, online and, uh, boy, you know, some, of them, uh, <laughs> what, what you guys made the other, the other week, uh, that, you know, you're, you're far ahead of some of these guys starting what? out. Huh? I know, and I, I mean, I didn't want to tell I you mean, guys that at the time. I didn't, what? didn't want to inflate your egos, and I certainly don't want you guys, like, Too leaving your day jobs and, you know, taking over my business. But, no, you did great. Um, Next week. Next and, week. You know, but I think that's a lot of what we see is you with mean, these younger guys that maybe something doesn't turn out well, they, they don't always finish it. I'm going to tell you I, this I could, about finishing things. I've seen Bucky spearhead projects. But I never seen him love a a, pro, a project or a process as much as I've seen him make knives. I mean, oh, you should see him make a tomahawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, Both but, are very but, cathartic. I yeah. He just, I mean, he works it until it's the way he wants it, and and I can tell you that uh, you probably already heard me say this, but like again, I never I, some of his vision I didn't. I didn't get it first, and I didn't have to because it's his. I understand that, but back you brought the- something out of him back, you know, a couple of weeks ago. That was awesome. You know, and I, I often well, thank you, say because I get guys, and I believe during that class, one or two of you may have actually said to me, "Is this right?" And my immediate reply is, "Why don't you ask the person who designed it?" Oh boy, because Profound. that's you. It's you know, it doesn't matter if it fits my hand. Don't. I might use that again, bud. <laughs> but, yeah, it's all about your vision. And, you know, I'm just a guy that helps people facilitate that. I like the fact that you can be creative while you're doing it. And uh, apart from the tomahawk, the knives, there were was a lot more artistic interpretation to be had, I would think. But it's also you have to be a lot more delicate in what you're doing oh, with oh, that. Oh, I mean, yeah, especially I mean, remember when we did the, the fillet knives – you know, that, that steel is 0. 0.0625 inches. I mean, this is really, really thin. Compared to the other two one, knives as one well. One screw yeah. up, you know, one little hesitation on that grinder, and boy, wah, 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 wah. there yeah, you go. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I loved it. Then we have to go for a product redesign. Product. <laughs> always, always a product redesign. But the knives, I, I got into a rhythm. We were making more than one, and the second day, um, just the process of the handles and and. And like Will said, if you don't like something, there's really no point of no return. You know, you might have to refire something if you really wanted to make something major. But along the way, as long as you're not fired and hardened, I mean, you can go back and, and make some more passes on, on the on the sand or on the grinder. Um, you can cut another shape to it. Uh, and then even in the process of the handles, you don't like something, go back. That's one of the things I love about what I do is the fact that it's always open to interpretation. You know, there's, there's guys that go and they, they assemble stuff in factories and it has to be the exact same thing every single time. And to me, that's very, you know, it's mind numbing. Mm -hmm. You don't, I don't know. I want to be free. I want to create. And so there are some days where I walk into the shop and, uh, Gosh, all you have to do is ask Mac. Uh, you know, I'll I'll walk in the shop and I'll sit there and not do anything. And then two days later, I come in and I'm a whirlwind mm-hmm. because all of a sudden inspiration just struck. And okay, wow, I want to do this. I want to do that. And you know, it just it it, it free falls from there. That makes me think of a question that I wanted to ask you while we were down there uh, the other week. What's the what's the craziest thing? which is a kind of a broad question probably for you guys haven't hung out with you for a while, but what's the, what's the craziest <laughs> thing you guys have ever forged? Ooh. Um, I've done wagon repair for the Amish. I've done, I did uh, part of a, a school bell for an old schoolhouse. Uh, however, I think the craziest thing that I ever forged 
was I made a boar spear. Really? Wow. And it wasn't so much that, uh, you know, it was a boar spear. I mean, that's just kind of cool. And I, I shipped it off. I still remember it was like, gosh, like $83 to ship this thing because it was so huge. How long was and it? How big was, how big of a spear was it? Well, the, the spear from, from uh, you know, it's where it got hafted to the very tip of the spear, I think, was somewhere around 18 or 19 inches. Wow. But then the customer wanted me to go ahead and make the full handle as well, the half yeah, for it. Yeah. And so I shipped it off, and I didn't really think anything of it. And I was doing demonstrations at a Renaissance fair and this person comes up to me and she said, thank you. I, I really wanted to thank you for my boar spear. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is cool. And now I look over and there's this skinny little girl who's about five foot nothing, probably that's weighed average. 90 Just pounds. For the record, that's average. Right. Well. You know, she's like 90 pounds Tiny girl. sticking yeah. up. And she people. shows me pictures of the first boar that she got with this spear. That's and incredible. it just blew me away going, wow. I mean, I love it when somebody uses my, my tools. Yeah, you know, that's what they're there absolutely. for. However, to see this girl and then pictures of her with this giant boar. It was. It just blew me away. It was. It was that probably cool. the craziest you know thing that I could think of that I've made just because yeah. of the whole situation. Well, no, that's a that's a great example. And not only was it pretty crazy, but you actually got to see it used for its purpose. That's yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of especially when when you're dealing with stuff that's sometimes kind of off the wall, yeah. like a boar spear. Yes, nowadays I think there's more and more people doing boar hunting, but there's also I was primarily dealing with collectors, guys that wanted just. They wanted something to hang wall on the pieces. basement wall. Right. And yeah. there's no doubt that, that what you're creating down there is art. I mean, it really is. What we put together the other week was, was absolutely gorgeous. You look at this stuff as you're putting it together. Maybe, you know, as Will pointed out, it's Bucky's vision, right? And mm. you can kind of see it. And you can get an idea of it. But, man, just something as simple as, as hitting the handle with some linseed oil. And watching the color start to pop. Oh yeah, and you see all I that mean, grain coming out, and you see the you see the fruits of your labor. Right, right. You know, it's there's sometimes where you're working on something. Man, this, this kind of looks like a turd. And then you start you start polishing, you start getting in right. there. You didn't have to pick and, on the one knife that I screwed up, but <laughs> right, right. I, go on. But no, like you, especially some of the woods that we use. You know, they don't look that great in their raw form, but you start polishing and polishing and you start refining that grain and it starts softening up and then all of a sudden you hit it with that linseed oil and it just wow something different yeah. and i mean it could have looked just like an ordinary block that you might see in somebody's uh, firewood pile mm -hmm. and uh it you know, turns cut into it down something pretty special like wow i can't believe that was hidden in there that's great and so that's just kind of cool it's very rewarding to yeah. see that and uh you did mention um mac oh yeah earlier and it turns out We've been able to connect with him, and he's sitting in with us now, too. So, Mac, so how nice. are you? Hey, Mac. I'm good. Uh, great weekend with you guys, you know? Yeah. Hanging out this past week when you guys were in. Yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, we had a good time. You guys did, you guys kind of knocked it out of the park, you know what I mean? You got, what, three knives apiece? Almost four? Yeah, more or less. Four. And Will did four. Right? It was... Uh, Pretty sure. He snuck in an extra one on us. Yeah. You know, they've um, known us so long that they get to take a few extra liberties here well, and there. Well, yeah, so. that's usually how it goes, especially <laughs> even, like, with our normal returning students right. that come in and they take either, you know, like, the one-day or the two-day class and even just the tomahawk class. Mm -hmm. We become comfortable with our students. You know, we spend a whole two days, one day or whatever, 12-hour period, and usually people are pretty open with us about their lives and what they do and stuff like that. So, you know, we kind of create a little Sometimes bit of a little bit too open, <laughs> yeah, a little bit too open. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. Um, but you know, we kind of create this connection with some of these guys and, you know, we say, you know, our door is usually always open yeah. for returning students or people that are just local, right. you know, we're in here, you know, usually Monday or Tuesday is our day off. You know, me or Jay might not be here depending on what we're doing, but we usually try to tell people, you know, yo, if there's a car down there and you see the doors open, 
Pop in. Pop in. Or during awesome. the or during the winter, if you see smoke coming out of the chimney, yeah, then you know we're probably <laughs> usually here. we're here. So, um, <laughs> so as as it is, then you're you're helping Jay with the classes. Yes. Right. So you're yes. actually instructing people and yep. and walking them through whatever the process might be you're working actually, on at the time. It's actually kind of a, a funny story. Um, That's where I was going with this. Like how so, you guys yeah. met, how so, that came to be. <laughs> Yeah, I was doing I was doing this knife show in York, Pennsylvania, and I believe my son was helping me out. Okay. And this, you know, you meet people, you talk to everyone. This guy walked by and started talking to me, and you know, oh, hey, that sounds great. You know, you you do classes, and don't really think anything of it. Everyone says, oh, I'm going to look into your classes. I'm going to take it. Next thing I know, he shows up at the shop yeah. for a class. I think we probably I probably sat at your booth for maybe I want to say maybe an hour, and we yeah, we had a great talk. I actually ended up buying a knife from you as well. Oh, that's that right. Day. You did. I did. I still have that at my house. Wow. Actually. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> I won't uh, admit what state that knife is in right now. It needs a little bit of uh, TLC, but uh, um, yeah, I, actually, I ended up uh, buying a knife from him. And nice. uh, so I saved up a little bit of money. About six or seven months later, I signed up, came in and had a great weekend. We made our knives. I... I was in there with a father and son, yeah. I believe it was. And uh, that was the old shop, Mannheim. We came in. I made my, my two knives. You know, we kind of hang out and just kind of... I think what, what really struck me was the fact that he never, he never Mac had a really good eye for detail. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he just had this great eye for detail, and I was watching him do the, do the classes. And eventually, you know, it's, oh, yeah, that's right. You're local. You're only down in York, uh, just a couple of minutes down the road. Well, tell you what. Want to stop by during the week? I think I actually admitted to you that I was like, "Hey, man, you know, I kind of want to do this for a living." And you <laughs> right. were like, "Hmm." Yeah, so it, it kind of got the yeah, it got the ball rolling. And uh, next thing I know, it's Max coming in, and okay, here's what I want you to do today. Yeah, do uh, this. Yep. I know it seems mindless, but you know, do this, do that. Okay, why don't you you know work on this it, and. But- Certain projects here no, and there. Would and you would you say then he actually fell into um, like the role of an apprentice? Yeah, at that point. Yeah. So this is still one of those trades that has the need for that, right? Well, you've got to learn. There's uh, there's really the not trade. too much schooling you can do. I mean, right. most most people ask, "Well, did you go to school to there, learn this?" And I always tell them, "No, you. I dropped out of school to do this." There <laughs> are some okay. tech schools yeah. that offer. There's a lot of architectural smithing. Yeah. Courses. There's like architectural blacksmithing courses, uh, like for big industrial type stuff. Yeah, you have to think. uh, Even say a generator shaft for say like a big hydroelectric dam. Uh Those are still technically forged. Yep. Huh. They. I mean, they're pulling these big fifty ton pieces of steel and they're using these giant uh, hydraulic presses and it's still forging. That's industrial. forging. You can get on YouTube and you can see the industrial forging that they do. There's some really sketchy videos out of China. However, (laughs) if you go and look up some of the American, you should see, you should see their quench tank. It looks like an Olympic swimming pool. (laughs) It's it's amazing for some of these giant things, but, um, you know, and then the other blacksmithing schools that are out there are actually, uh, farrier schools because a lot of times, anytime (laughs) that I tell someone, Oh, I'm, I'm a blacksmith. Oh, you make horseshoes. And no. like, oh, please God, yeah, no. Exactly. Could you make me one to put over my door? And I could. Get that I could. Um, <laughs> however, I don't know how it would be on a horse's foot. <laughs> Can you make belt buckles? Yes. Yeah. I think Bucky needs a rust belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to make that. We're going to make an order for a rust belt. <laughs> But uh, yes. so, so Jay, take us through one of your classes. You're, you're speaking of these classes. So if somebody was interested and they called up on day one, day two, you know what? what well, the, we what do th- like we. I think we mentioned this before. I, I offer several different classes. We have our, our two day class, which is essentially you know three students come in. We make two knives over the course of two days, and uh, much like what you guys got to experience, we do it by uh, stock removal, which is. When someone says they're a knife maker, generally stock removal is what they do. They're taking a bar of steel, they're cutting it down, they're grinding it, and then you know doing the heat treating, handling, and everything Sometimes else. Sometimes they don't even do the heat treating themselves. Sometimes no, they send they, it uh, out. outsource that. Okay. Uh, but then when you hear someone say, I'm a bladesmith, that's, that's where the blacksmithing aspect comes in. Oh. Because there's a lot of guys that can like sit in their basement or their home workshop and just grind stuff out, send it out, have it heat treated. When it comes back, they polish it up, they slap a handle on it. And there you and go. They They're a knife, knife maker. Yeah. But 
in order to take that raw bar and forge it down to a point, forge your bevels in, get, you know, basically you're utilizing that material to 100% of its capacity. And that's where bladesmithing comes in. So with our weekend knife making class where it's two days, we touch on both of those. Okay. Because even as a hobbyist, there are certain people that would love to do this as a hobby. You know, I believe someone mentioned that it's very cathartic. And it is. It's really relaxing, you know. Buck too. Um, It's, you know, one of those things where, yeah, we we do this. We we show you the knife-making aspect. And as someone who, say, lives in the city where you can't set up a forge. But, you know, you could set up a grinder. Right, yeah. You know, in your shed or whatever. And so it's nice to get that experience. The other thing is that it shows you a lot of the geometry involved. Yeah. Uh, You see a lot of the guys that, uh, especially a lot of the city guys, they... um, They'll spend, you know, close to $1,200 on their grinder setup because huh. they Sounds don't necessarily delicious. have the time to learn how to grind freehand. They spend that $1,200 mm-hmm. on a grinder plus a um, almost like a template setup to where they can just adjust their angle, put their piece right against their grinder. Yeah, they there's a lot of people that make forth. different jigs. So yeah. it's all about yeah. the end product for them. Yeah. They just want to get yeah. the, right. the end product. They want and as close to machined look as they can for some of these people where in here a lot of our in fact all of our grinding is freehand we don't use any jigs at all right and i can totally agree with that because i remember when we were back there um you know as you're grinding your knife if you take off a little bit too much or you know then your your brain's like uh uh, that's not what i wanted it to look like so then as as you were saying yeah yeah, you you go your your brain starts going you're like all right well let me continue with this and see what it uh and ends up like along with that it's blacksmiths don't make mistakes we make smaller knives (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's it's kind of a natural thing where you start off with uh this machining process and you learn an awful lot more about it I believe it was uh, Will uh, had asked me. Go at one on. Point, you had asked me at one point uh, about the history of blacksmithing. Yeah, and uh, I said, you know, while it spans back, you know, thousands of years. Uh, more importantly, here in this country, uh, when you look back at say the turn of you know the 20th century, right? So we're we're just leaving the 1800s and automobiles started hitting the scene. Horseless carriages? Yes, those horseless carriages, those pesky things. Well, think about it this way. The guys who were doing all of the uh, wheels, the wheelwrights, you know, uh, mm-hmm. who were making all the hardware for those, they were blacksmiths. And, you know, so as the wagon fell out of favor, their very first thing that they would do is kind of turn to fixing these horseless carriages. And so a lot of them became Mechanics. the first auto garages, here in the country, uh, you know, and others ended up, there was a point in time in this country where, and for, you know, the rest of the world where there was no real distinguishing uh, factor between a machinist and a blacksmith Yeah, because certain things you would forge and certain things you would machine. And, you know, as we, as we started advancing the technology, obviously the blacksmithing portion fell out of favor and it really wasn't until you know, there were only a handful of bladesmiths here in this country in the 1950s. And it started out with a, a guy uh, named Bill Moran, who pretty much single-handedly brought back the whole passion, the craft of forging knives. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the 1960s, he came and sort of rediscovered or came up with his own version of what uh, people call Damascus or pattern welded steel. So, yeah, it really wasn't until the 50s and the 60s where you started seeing people... Uh, get back into blacksmithing uh, because there really wasn't an industrial need for it aside from very small niches, you know, here and there. And I guess the Navy has had blacksmiths uh, working for their ships Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, making those really hard to, you know, replicate parts. Uh, Things are kind of one off, but if it's something that's duplicated an awful lot, it's better to set up a machining operation. And now you can crank out, you know, several hundred pieces in a day. Sure. So, uh, paying someone, you know, their hourly rate to be a, a blacksmith is really not cost productive. That makes but, sense. No, we're kind of expensive when it really comes down to things. Yeah, it's one thing that, it, you know, I get phone calls and people are like, well, how yeah. much would it cost to have this? And they email me a picture of a knife that was made in China and, you know, it's $30 from Walmart or it's hard Target. To compare. It really is. And, you know, th- they want me to redo this. Yeah. I, I look at them, 
Well, I'm sorry. That's going to be uh, $385. Why so much? Well, because you're paying my rate. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't work for 30 cents an hour. No, but those are like, you're, you didn't just make those numbers up out of the air. You know, if there's time and material and, uh, you know. We still lose money as a as a shop. We are horrible. Like every, the, the joke in the industry is how do you become a millionaire bladesmith? Mm-hmm. And that's, you start off with a billion dollars and you stop when you have a million left. It's like yeah. honey. Um, or fishing. Or fishing. Yeah. But, you know, we do this because this is what we love to do. Yeah. And while it might be a, a, a struggle to start out with, uh, you know, in the end, we've found our own niche and it's, you know, very rewarding. We've told a few people over the years that, you know. Did you tell them to beat it? <laughs> Go on, get. Scram. Beat it. Beat it. Yeah. No, Go actually, a lot of the people that are like, hey, man, you know, you guys teach classes. Are you, are you worried about somebody taking over your market? Well, no, considering between the two of us, we have 30-plus years' experience. You yeah. ain't catching up to us well, at that point. And, and the other thing that I noticed right away from, like, whatever year it was when we first got introduced. Oh, way back at that first Donegal yeah, show. You guys have a style that is, in my opinion, unique to you. I've and, always, mm-hmm. when people walk in at shows, I mean, we very rarely do them. I'd love to start doing more shows. But, uh, you know, one of the things I always took as a, as a great compliment is, wow, how old is this? And then I look at them like, well, I just finished that one Thursday. Yeah. You're like, yeah. no way. I want it to look as though it came out of your grandfather's gun cabinet. Sure. You and, know, I want it to have character. I want it to be heirloom quality. I want it to, you know, be yeah. able to be passed down. That, that big term right there is Air- heirloom quality. Is yeah. what we try to focus on. Like a lot of guys are saying, oh, I could have got the same knife for $10 down at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, well, in 15 years, that $10 blade from Walmart is going to be a little chunk of rust. <laughs> I don't know if I'm accurate or not in, in st- saying this, but it's... Here we go. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I sit, I'm sitting in the sh- shop and you, know, and you hear about people using older things to repurpose these blades. Uh, into, or to repurpose into blades or into, into other tools, such as a bandsaw out of an old sawmill, oh. a, a leaf spring out of a truck. Um, are we doing that? I mean, one, one of the reasons I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, we'll we'll use things, you know, a leaf spring or a coil spring to make our own tools. If I need a punch or a one-off chisel, you know, that's great for something here in the shop. But uh, one of the things I often tell people is, you know, just imagine you don't know the previous life of that piece of steel that you found in a junkyard yeah you also don't know what it is you know these grades oh, there's an actual science behind what right, we do right, right. anything can and, happen yeah to yeah and so time. think about it this way bob had a one-ton pickup truck and you know for multiple weekends every single year mm. uh he'd go and throw three tons of firewood in it and drive down an old logging road well that thing's taking abuse how many microfractures are in that you know, and you start working on something. Four. You guys, you know, how many hours was it that you guys spent Only the four. other the other week making these knives? How how disheartening would it be to find a microfracture in there, or you know, just any sort of like small crack, or uh, you know, some sort of inclusion in that steel yeah. just to have it break? That makes sense. And so, if you don't know the life of it, it's really not worth the risk of it. Uh, and you know, it's actually when you look at your time, even as a hobbyist. It's so much uh, more cost-effective to go out and buy a fresh bar of steel, and especially from somebody that's reputable. Because when something does go wrong, and you say, "Well, this was ten ninety-five steel," yeah, okay, now I can research exactly why this problem occurred. However, if you say, "I don't know," it was an old leaf spring. Well, what was that fifty-one sixty? Was it ninety-two? You know, thirty? Was it you know? 8670M. What was it? I, I totally get the like the passion project of you know it's grandpa's whatever and he's not oh, around anymore yep. and you got the I actually have some know. leaf springs for my late grandfather that are in here. Yeah. That and actually that I'm not saying that we don't do it. No, but I can see both sides and, and what you're you know from a quality standpoint absolutely. When when we're making something to sell, I think it, it's definitely, you know, more worth our while sure. to go ahead and get that fresh seal in. However, I had a buddy of mine who went to Nepal for two weeks with his daughter, and he was describing this whole process of them taking old Jeep Springs and Uh forging kukris out of it. I just so happened to have this really huge leaf spring, and I mean, I started forging it down. It's it's a half-inch thick. I mean, this is huge material. And just to see what they were doing, and I don't have primitive tools like 
they're using, you know, they're using sledgehammer heads for anvils. I have nice anvils. I've got, you know, a hydraulic press. I've got all these different things. And boy, that was an awful lot of work. So to learn the appreciation of it, mm-hmm. uh, it was a beautiful experience to take something that had a previous life. And yeah, hey, if it failed, it failed. But, you know, for me, it was I wanted to know more about it. And that's the reason why I did it. Uh, you know, it's not if if I was under the wire and, hey, I need to make this for a customer. I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. You just well, brought up something that I want to ask you about, too. You brought up anvils. Now, I've been around since the first time I came here and made like the, the town. Town of <laughs> Anvil? Well, Cleona? Yeah. Anvil, like the tool of Anvil, yes. the heavy thing. You know? <laughs> the, the thing that you drop on Roadrunner. Yeah, Roadrunner yeah, and yeah, Coyote. Yeah, yeah. Wiley yeah, Coyote. Exactly. The, thing, right. the thing I'm leaning on. Exactly. I, God, I'm falling in now, box. Sorry. It, it, in, in t- today's world, is are they like collectible items? Like, are these like things? Well, like, now I, like I've kind of gone down that rabbit hole of Instagram, and, and wait, if you find one at an auction, I'll tell you. Depending on who's there, you could pay upwards of six, eight, ten dollars yeah. a pound. So yeah, that's what I like. Back to- in the day, and by back in the day, I mean fifteen to ten years ago, anvil price was based off of what three things, Jay? We would say weight, rarity. And then who manufactured it? Well, and I'd also put in there that it also depends on how responsive that anvil is. Exactly. Can you take a can you take a one inch ball bearing and drop it on the top of the anvil? How much return force does it have? Right, because that tells you how good that tool is. And so yeah, I mean they were based on that. And then all of a sudden, when certain TV shows came out, and you know we see this big resurgence and people wanting to learn, right? Uh, boy. Those prices went sky high. And the other thing driving it was also people who wanted nostalgic items to throw in their garden. Now, um, there, you know, just to have around the house. And aren't there like different types, like uh, different anvils for uh, different London types pattern, of cultures? Yes. And, oh, um, yeah. And, and there's, there's, there's specific purposes. anvils. There's anvils out there just for making saws. They're yeah. called sawyer anvils. They look like big, giant squares. Um you know, we have, uh, if you guys remember, we have some Japanese-style anvils in the yeah, shop. They're yeah. essentially just a yeah, block of that. steel. Uh, and you and made I, this. Yeah, I, but I do like 95% of my forging on those. I yeah. absolutely love them. They uh, really, really reciprocate your work because, like, if you guys remember last week when you were in, I mean, we're sitting here now, and you can kind of see the London pattern that's in front of us. This is, that's that's a knife pattern Yeah, yeah cheerio. <laughs> yeah, yeah cheerio. I mean, but... It's, uh, you know, this, this anvil here is actually cast steel. There's other anvils that are cast iron with a tool steel plate. Uh, there's also what we call ASOs. Those are the things that you'd find at that uh, Harbor Freight Place, uh, you know, that's an anvil-shaped object. Okay. It looks like an anvil, but it's just <laughs> literally cast iron, and it's, re- it's going to be very dull. Uh, what's going to happen is as you expend that energy without that return force, you're going to end up hurting yourself. And, you know, repetitive stress injuries are a really big thing for us. A a big thing for classes. You notice that when guys start swinging their hammer, they're very on the carpentry side of swinging their hammer. Yeah, very timid. You're not moving a lot of They hold their hammer at the very end. They're not very choked up on it, and they're not really trying to control it. They're just swinging it, and it's hitting the steel. Um, if you watch either me or Jay, when we're forging a piece, we're kind of choked up on our hammer and we're each strike has purpose behind it. It's not just a random smack on the steel. I've always been big in saying that, you know, for a lot of these guys starting out, you'll see them, they take, you know, 2000 hits to finish something, but I can do that. I can do that in (laughs) 80 to 120 hits. It's about putting that exactly where it needs to be. Sure. And trust me, the older you get, uh, the more efficient you want to be yeah, because, yeah. you know, let's face it, it's not it's not always an easy job. But I know guys who are in their 80s and 90s still forging. Yeah. And Efficiently, they too. They do the exact same thing. It's don't don't hit it a thousand times, hit it a hundred times correctly. Awesome. Well, Jay, I hate to cut you off, but as you might already know, we do a segment called the Fast Five. Oh, God. <laughs> I've been dreading this, you know. And since Max here, we could probably expand it out to the Fast 10. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Fast 5 wow. times 2, is that what we're yeah. going for? I know Dude. we don't like to do math. That Bucky, you're quick. All right, well, That's... we're doing math. It's, it's one of those things where I sit in the car, and as I'm driving, I always hear them asking the Fast 5. And, okay. and the worst part about it is I go, 
Boy, if I was asked that question, here's yeah, how I'd answer he it. And it. now I'm sitting here, and you guys are going to an- ask me oh, this question. You already know and- your answer <laughs> to the hot no. seat. You quit. The problem quit, is, is quit with your Jay, malarkey, it's probably different Jay. every time. I know it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> what makes me happy today? <laughs> so, the, uh, number one, I will just say this. Uh, what, what makes you happy, Jay? Uh, you know, just a job well done. Seeing, Being able to start something... Uh, and and take it from beginning to end, and really just seeing how a project, uh, you know, comes together, and you know that at least professionally, that's what what makes me happy. Otherwise, it's my kids. <laughs> you know, uh, I love I love my kids, and they're just uh, they're a blast. <laughs> Mac, how about you? You know, for me, um, I kind of go back to what I learned in Scouts and even in art class way back. Was keep it simple. Tying knots. Yeah, tying knots. <laughs> That's um, cool. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, what makes me happy is just keeping things simple and clean. If I can kiss. make a piece that's yeah, exactly yep. kiss. Yep. If I can make a piece that's very simple, very clean, and still pulls off exactly what I want, happy. Great. Yep. All right, we're gonna move to the second question. Um, Jay, I'm going to modify this one a little bit, um, but what is the one thing that you do every day to prepare you for your lifestyle? Not necessarily outdoor, but every day is your <laughs> lifestyle. Drink a cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that Start actually... Start with coffee. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's got to, you know, you got to wake up. And, no, the, the one thing that I do, you know, believe it or not, uh, you guys probably, some of you know that I'm actually really big into the outdoors. I love yeah, hunting and fishing. We didn't even um, get to ask you about your kayak. I got yeah. a lot of questions on that. Maybe next time we get you on, <laughs> we'll go over some of that. Uh, for your Pimp My Kayak episode. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, but, you know, one of the things that, especially for what I do, the tools that I make, being out there and getting outdoors and being able to use what I make really helps me. Cool. Uh, so I guess maybe I can write my fishing equipment and hunting equipment off <laughs> as, a, as a research a, and development absolutely. for my job. Uh, so, uh, yeah, aside from the cup of coffee, it's, uh, it's getting out there and, and, and finding out what people use my tools for, uh, and, you know, just constantly learning something new. Uh, all right, Mac, how about you? For me, it would be more, I stretch every morning and that's okay. super, super important because being in here, yeah, yeah. Here's, oh, it's, it's amazing if you don't like, you know, this is pretty physical, and it's one of those things where you pick something up and it's it might only weigh ten pounds and you don't think about picking up ten pounds of something, right. but you do it wrong. Do it a thousand times. Oh boy, it, you know it's it could be game over for a week. I can attest to the fact that stretching is probably important because I think I'm still sore <laughs> from when we were there a while back, and uh, yeah, it's it's important. Oh it's yeah. Important. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So. This is actually supposed to be the Fast Five, so bring it on. Let's go. Oh, yeah. oh you're a critic now. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on. I listen to the podcast okay. enough. Gotcha. All right. A critic hey, now. He's we'll, been. we'll let you know when the answers are wrong, though, bud. Hey, um, Jay, what's the one thing that – I'm going to switch this up as well, Pick. You go ahead. What's the one thing that you can't live without in this shop? Oh, boy. Live without in this shop? Man, I I look over and I, I see my 120 year old drill press and I absolutely love that thing. Oh, I do uh, too. You know, it's just that's what kind they had back when I was in. Uh, yeah, you probably had that in shop class. Real yeah. quick, uh, but is that know, when you guys had to walk uphill both ways to school? Yep. Yeah. Yes, yeah. No. Uh, you know, I I would either say my my drill press or Mac because uh, that's who you you were <laughs> staring at him pretty hard when that question was being and, asked. And and, and Mac Seems as like, well. Yeah. I mean, you um, know, Mac Mac Mac's one of those guys that. While he's not always egging me on to do something, when I see him doing something, I go, boy, I'm really being lazy this week. Uh, crap, I, I really need it. I can't let this gotcha. young kid uh, show me up, so I got to do something you know, even more over the he's top. He's a source of motivation. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Excellent. Mac, how about you, bud? Honestly, and I'm going to be a little bit more, a little bit realistic here, we really couldn't live in this shop without our anvils. Oh, yeah. That's it's the most essential yeah. tool in here. I can make a hammer out of a rock if I wanted to, let's be <laughs> honest here, but without an anvil, man, we ain't doing anything. Gotcha. That's, yeah. That's a very good answer. Yeah. All right, then, uh, mm. let's, let's take it to the next level. Let's get a little deep here. Jay, I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to start with Mac, so okay. bear with me. Mac, what are you most proud of? Oh, man. Oh. 
you know, I'm most proud of not necessarily a certain project, but I'm, it sounds a little conceited, but I'm proud of where I've come from, what I've become through, you know, learning from Jay and learning from even just from everyone else that I'm around. You know, sure, I learn from the cool. students every weekend. You know what I mean? I, I see certain things that I'll either notice that I'm doing or I see that they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, I'll try to say, oh, man, you know, if you just change the angle of your offhand or your tongue hand a little bit, you can get yeah. that bevel wow. pulled out just a little bit more, man. You know, try to focus on that. And, you know, it, it's it's I really think, like I said, the thing I am most proud of is just my progress. And the progress of the shop in general, yeah. because we've come from struggling sometimes to book classes to now they're filled yeah. every weekend, That's great. turning people away. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's, it's it doesn't shock me at all to hear that because I mean you guys are doing quality work down there. It's amazing. All right, now well, you had time to think about it, Jay. So I would be remiss well, if I did at? not say first and foremost in my personal life I am most proud of my children. Uh, they are a uh, good an absolute you know source of inspiration every single of a day. Answer. And uh, you know, <laughs> I, I have a four year old daughter who just keeps me on my toes all the time. Questions come out of her mouth that I would never have imagined asking my parents at four years old. <laughs> uh, but professionally, I would say it's this shop. You know, Absolutely. this shop is much more than just me. You know, it's not Jay Steckervitz. You know, as a forge, it's Underhill Forge. And this is a group of like-minded people. You know, I brought Mac in because he fits with the mold of where I want this to go. It's not just about what I make. It's about the progress that he's made. Yeah. Uh, You know, basically starting out as, you know, a kid who... Wanted to learn how to he do was this. A kid with, with a dream, yeah, yeah. and, and you know, yeah. free to dream. So it's just, it's really cool. And I mean, when when I first started out, it was in an old garage uh, that was a, a rundown carriage house behind a rented apartment mm-hmm. that I had gotten permission to be in, and I shared it with a uh, guitar maker. I hope. Wow. And, uh, oh man, I remember you showed me that shop. Yeah, went, yeah. It's I right mean, across from uh, Boobies yeah. Brewery. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. <laughs> Last time we went to get food there, you're like, hey, small shop. It's really crazy to to go, wow, this is that's where that's where this whole thing started. And you know, actually this was my first anvil, (laughs) you know. Uh just man, I look around and I pinch myself going, This is this is mine. This is what you know we've worked for, and this is what we've been able to accomplish. And so I'm I'm really proud. You know, seeing the students come through here, teaching was the hardest thing for me to ever begin to do because I was always worried about my own skills and about my own possibility of, you know, failure in, in doing that. But really, every single week, we see these people who, from all different walks of life, who come in here never having done it before, and they walk out, and they've really accomplished something uh, really, really well. And so I'm very proud of what they can do. I know this is a fast five, Jay. And, and, uh, but I'm going to take this opportunity to toot my horn a little bit. But my, my knives kind of look like the first knife we made together. Uh, yeah. you know, the ones yeah. I made kind of look a lot like the first one we made together. So it's stuck, you know, yeah. you're doing something, boy. I'll tell you that. Um, having said that, you know, now that you guys got to share that moment with me, which is huge. <laughs> Never for- the, unforgettable. The honor is very. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I want to know what's next. What is the bucket list for Jay and or Underhill Forge? What is the next level? Wow. Uh, man, on my bucket list, I want to do something that I've had this project in mind and, uh, I've I've wanted to do it uh, for such a long time, and uh, I don't really want to talk too much about it. But it's I want to I want to bring the craft to other people in a way that just hasn't been done before. Sure, and wow. uh, you know it's 
it's something that we've been working on in the background, and yeah. uh, the, the moment the moment it's actually uh, cemented, well, uh, we we're going to let you know what it is. We would love to have that exclusive, Jay, if we could. If but we you could know, other other bucket list uh, other bucket list things are you know getting out, uh, say, kayak fishing with all of you guys would be really kind of nice. We go. Uh, you know, we are local. Uh, yeah. we, we fish the same watering holes, just not the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very cool. How about you, Mac? Anything? Oh, bucket list for me. Oh my. Um, you know, I'd I'd love to earn the title of Master Smith one day. Yeah. Um, joining um one of the guilds, either the Bladesmithing Guild or just the actual Blacksmithing Guild, and earning that title of Master Smith. And not just, you know, being in it for so long that, you know, people just end up calling you Master Smith. Because there's a lot of guys that we know. I'll make a shout out now to Baltimore Knife and Sword. Um, some of the guys down there, like uh, the Stagmar Brothers and Ilya. Those guys aren't necessarily official guild-recognized guys, but people all over the internet call them Master Smiths all yeah. the time. And I actually just, I commented on Stagmar's Instagram not too long ago, Matt. He uh, is one of the main guys down at Baltimore Knife and Sword. Like I said, um, he said he had he just joined the um, American, ABA, yeah, American which, Bladesmith Society. Yep, yeah, American yeah. Bladesmith huh. Society. And uh, he said, you know, I had been called a master bladesmith for four or five years now. I think it's time for me to actually earn the title. Yeah, what's that take? Is that um, something? It's that... it's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, a lot of honing your dues. craft, a lot of paying your dues, um, <laughs> a lot of honing, lot, yeah, of yeah, pun intended, a lot of honing, a lot of honing of your skills. Um, I was actually in it for several years and, uh, you know, it was just one of those, yeah, there's an awful lot to do. And it's as a guy who was trying to earn a living, it was impossible for me to, you know, jump through hoops and do all these yeah. other little things. But, That's uh, cool. you know, it would be something cool to do, I think. It's like the, a black belt or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. one of those things. It's like it's it's good comparison. It's, you could you could get <laughs> the notoriety of that master bladesmith. You could get called a master bladesmith after X amount of years of just doing it. Or you could actually join the guild yeah. and work through it. And, sure. you know, they have certain tests like from to go to from apprentice to journeyman. You have to make 100 knives. Or is it twenty? I, I think it's hundred. Well, let's go. It, it, all, it all depends yeah. on which it's, one you're it, it looking at. It all depends at. on who you're let's doing. Make but it harder. You have to take those knives then, and to test your heat treating processes, you have to take that knife, put it in a vise, and bend it at a ninety degree angle without it snapping. Well, actually, there's a couple oh, of things before that. First off, you well. have to take a two by four, and you have to cut it twice. Yes. Jeez. And then after you cut the two by four twice, you have to cut a one inch sisal rope that's yep. free hanging, no weights hanging underneath it. This is actually so you where slice the whole, uh, knife or death came from. And then you bend it ninety degrees. Gotcha. You're only allowed to have a crack within one third of that's incredible. the material yep. in the edge. Jeez. If it's on the spine, you instantly fail. So yep. it's allowed to crack at the edge where it's supposed to be harder. Sure. But on that spine, it has to be able to take that 90-degree bend. It doesn't have to stay at 90 degrees. It just has to bend to 90 degrees and, and come and back. Uh, oh, and there's also a whole part where after you cut through the two by four and the sizzle rope, you have to show that it can shave the hair off your arm. Afterwards. After you so, do that, so yeah, a lot so of guys, it has to stay sharp. There's a there's an awful lot going. So on a it. lot of guys they don't feel as though that's worth their time because they figure, oh, I just made all these hundred knives, now I'm just going to ruin them, right? Well, if that's a hundred really knives at a hundred dollar a piece, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And it's quite a lot of money. <laughs> and I guess, I mean, it's a too, true uh, representation of your skill. If your exactly. piece yep. is able to do yep. that, man, that is quite an accomplishment. That is a true yeah. example of a heirloom piece. I can tell you I am not going to do any of those things with the knife <laughs> that I made a few weeks ago. My, my favorite was there was an old guy at shows who uh, used to, instead of doing this whole ABS thing, you know, or whatever, all these different knife-making guilds, uh, instead of doing that, he used to take a large... Uh, barn nail and he'd yeah. lay it down and hack through it with a knife and show that it had great edge retention yeah you know. awesome cool well, that's you know th thank you for letting us be a part of your life absolutely uh, even for a weekend uh and then you know and actually having us back in this in the forge uh, after we came and ruined <laughs> hey, just, just answer just answer me this is this the very first time that you guys actually traveled to a location specifically to like have a you know this 
Sonic Campfire. I mean, uh, no, we've traveled before. Um, but damn, I thought I had some sort but, of honor there. Like the uh, class and everything like that, and the whole experience and rolling out the, you know, the red carpet, so to speak, for us. I mean, the, the lunch was the, incredible. The food. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> we don't advertise that too much. We yeah, I don't advertise. Sure. Remember that whole thing where I said I started off in the restaurant industry? Yeah. That, Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. Well, that yeah, came in handy. handy. Kind of learned yeah. a little bit there. <laughs> so, so, anybody that knows me uh, knows that I didn't. Uh, I'm not going to forget about mentioning the food. So. I, I travel <laughs> with my stomach. So, <laughs> so and uh, but I, I just appreciate it and uh, and the things that you were able to uh, extract from us. It's just inspiring, you know, that we could produce some knives like that with your guidance. Um, it was I awesome. I can't thank you enough, and uh, and I and I do follow your page, so it's you know I get to see knives being like <laughs> this made every week, and I know it, it's not a, fin- a fluke, you know. But uh, no, we're very very proud of our work, and and uh, you really you guys bring it out of us. Well, you know, you, so. know, you guys uh, you, you started off as friends, and uh, you know then I started listening to your podcast. And hey, you guys actually have some talent. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> kind of like that. And now several of you have actually been here and made stuff. And so you're not just great friends. You're not just great podcasters. You're also pretty damn good students. <laughs> so well, I will is <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You guys all did a a really really good job this weekend. I it's yeah. rare that we get a weekend where everyone knows each other, which. <laughs> Makes it, oh, it makes it so much more enjoyable. A lot easier. Yeah. Sure. So much easier. Yeah, well, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for putting your faith in us. You know, we, we try to say that every weekend. You know, it's not necessarily about our skills. It's more or less about you guys trusting us yeah. To, yeah. to teach you. We are so very humbled by people putting their faith in us. That is just a, a great thing. Hey, Jay. Hey, Bucky. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find us at underhillforge.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, underhill underscore forge, and also on our Facebook page, Underhill Forge. And uh, if you message there, I have to say I don't Facebook at all. So you'll pretty much be talking, <laughs> talking back. back. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's one of those young kids. He's he's so into the Facebook. I'm, I the last time I did it was MySpace. So. Awesome. <laughs> Well, normally, uh, normally this is the part where I would say, so, Jay, thanks so much for your time. Why don't you hang on the line so we can get you some of Charlie Moore's No Offense Spices? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but good news, bud. We love the food that you made for us the other week. Do We're I... looking forward to what you're going to be making for us when you're using these fancy new spices, but we I... brought them along, so... Awesome. Hey, I can't wait to hang on the line. I listened to that episode, and, man, I was like, I want some of those. Yeah. yeah. So hang on the line after, uh, after we're sure, done here. Sure thing, Ryan. We'll get I will. some information so we can ship them to you all the way from the truck right outside here. Awesome. <laughs> so. Awesome. Sounds great. I, I hope it doesn't take long. No. It should, <laughs> quick and easy shipping. Free shipping and handling. That's oh, right. You guys are the best. <laughs> no, Jay. Like, thanks again. Yeah, you thanks, You and Jay. Mac have been great. Uh, we thanks, appreciate Mac. the time you spent with us. Um, when we were down there, and now that we're back, giving us this time out of your out of your busy days to uh, to talk it over with everybody, so everyone else can hear what's going on. Just like I say to all my students, uh, thanks for putting your faith in us. I really enjoyed having you guys there the other week, uh, and you know, thanks for all the shout-outs. You guys do an awesome job, and it's actually an honor to be here. Very cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey guys, don't forget this episode was brought to you in part by Moses Family Jerky. Mm-hmm. You got to head on over to mfjerky.com. Check out everything they got going on. Mfjerky.com. Jerky, snack sticks, the coffees. They got it all. Check it out. Make sure you use that promo code. JerkyPursuits15. Get 15% off your entire order. The whole website, boys. Mm -hmm. Everything. Whole website, boys. Mm. Love me some MF Jerky. There it is, fellas. Yepper. Another one in the books. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Good stuff, guys. Good, Good to be stuff. On location. Hey, all things America. It's mm-hmm. it's rolling on. Oh, July yeah. is on fire. Stars and stripes. I love me America Month. All right, guys. Let's get the forge out of here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all. America. Rigor weedless. Trial and error is one thing, but really there's no such thing as a, a screw-up until, well, until the building burns down, I guess. But, uh, you know. Right. Um.
because a lot of times, any time that I tell someone, oh, I'm, I'm a blacksmith. Oh, you make horseshoes. And they're like, oh, please God, yeah, no. Exactly. Could you make me one to put over my door? And I could. Get that I could. Um, <laughs> however, I don't know how it would be on a horse's foot. <laughs> Can you make belt buckles? Yes. Yeah. I think Bucky needs a rust belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to make that. You're going to make an order for a rust belt. <laughs> Blacksmiths don't make mistakes. We make smaller knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.